Away we go. <laughs> what a week. Yep. What a week. What a day. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> August 10th, 2021. The day oh, yeah. the governor of New York resigned, surprisingly. Yep. That's right. Looks like Sandman is going to take him away. Put him to sleep. <laughs> Out of you his governorship. Is, uh, I think I, I told you earlier when you brought the subject up as a, a topic for tonight was that um, they just had a press conference. I believe it was his, his attorneys, and they were basically going through a laundry list of all of his accusers and saying why they're not really relevant, if you will. Yeah. And then immediately following, I, I started uh, you know, had a few things to do. So next thing you know, like 10 minutes later, I saw that he was doing a press conference at 1145, I believe, this morning. So I was expecting yep. him to basically plead his case as to why he should uh, still reign as governor, if you will. And uh, instead, <laughs> it was the complete opposite. He, I saw that he was stepping down. So that came as yeah. a surprise. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not like overly shocked, like, oh, my God, my world is going to change because of this. I'm just I'm just surprised that he actually. Uh, voluntarily or involuntarily actually did resign and pulled the trigger on it. Um, I, I, I certainly didn't expect this. I did not expect this. I, I thought at best he was going to get a slap on the wrist, you know, if the, you know, despite the credible allegations. And the reason why I say that is that, you know, history basically tells us when you're talking about a lot of these pro, high profile figures, especially government officials um, that have some sort of, uh, you know, misconduct while in office, especially with sexual allegations like this, they seem to get a free pass despite, you know, all the posturing and all this other shit talking from, you know, the opposite political party and all that other crap. Um, so this is almost like, I don't know, just very, very shocking to me that he actually resigned because of this. <clears throat> I agree. I thought it was going to be like another, like Bill Clinton part two. You know, yeah. did not have sexual, which uh, for all intents and purposes, I believe there was no actual sex acts that were engaged in. It was yeah. just a matter of, like the thing was, is I was listening to his his attorneys go by and they're, they're talking about how, yes, he's affectionate. He gave a kiss to so and so on the cheek or whatever. Um, but all I could think of, like these all all these people work for him. Right. They're all underneath yeah. him, if you will. <laughs> no pun intended. But all these people. <laughs> You know, they're, they're all his subordinates, like, and it made me think like, okay, so take, for example, like you yourself, right? You're in yep. a, a higher up position where you work, right? So you have people yep. that work for you. Yep. Imagine if you walked around the office, kissing people on the cheeks, putting your arms around their waist, hugging them, like it would be, you'd be fired the next day. I know I would. Yeah. I and, you know, the funny thing about that and the funny thing that you're mentioning that is that uh, and I guess in his press press conference, he said, uh, hey, I'm Italian as if like, like indicating, you know, because I'm Italian, I'm very affectionate and all this other stuff. Well, you yourself are Italian, dude. My parents are off the boat Italian. I'm significantly more Italian than he is. And yeah, we do have that behavior. But amongst ourselves, that that's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a European thing to be very 
very touchy feely, but not like to the point where, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're doing things that are questionable. I mean, like, you know, right. That's just patting some, patting somebody on, yeah. Patting somebody on the shoulder, um, you know, giving them, if you're, if you're somewhat close with them, even, you know, on a, on a somewhat personal level, even though you are, are professionals. Yes. I, you know, if you know the person very well, I, you know, a, 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 a little hug is fine, but to give people a, a kiss on the cheek. I mean, you know, with Italians, we do that with one another, but we don't like, we don't do like literally uh, lips to cheek. It's like, you know, cheek to cheek and you do it on either side. It's, it's, it's a sign of, um, it's basically a sign of, uh, of just like a, a, of, of affection and respect for, for somebody that that's basically what you do, but not with, I mean, like, I don't really do that with, with any of my non-Italian friends, uh, personal or professional, because they, they just don't understand that. They don't understand that level of personal affection. But you're also bringing it to be like just with your friends. These aren't his friends. These are his constituents at work. These are, yeah. you know, this is somebody, he's the governor, right? He, exactly. he, was, he was making inappropriate gestures with a state police officer. I mean, as far as the hierarchy goes in in law enforcement, especially like in a state level, the governor is is the boss. Right? Yeah. I mean, people oversee it, like this is the governor. He basically rules over all sorts of things as far as the state's concerned. But, you know, I mean, that officer answers to, you know, whoever's above her. But in the chain of command that the governor is is the guy that she ultimately reports to. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, so this whole idea that. You know, it's just being, you know, friendly. It's it's no big deal. It's just like, are you for real? You didn't think that you were crossing the line at any any juncture of this. I mean, and it's, the thing is, like, it's not just one person that he went, you know, out of bounds with. It was yeah. eleven people, and like we mentioned last week, these are just the people that came forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to know, and I, you know, what I'm about to say shouldn't really be taken by any stretch of the imagination as a defense of him whatsoever, because I'm certainly not. Um, but you know, these are the the what he's being accused of are have gotten to the point of simply being quote unquote credible allegations. He hasn't been tried in a court of law. He hasn't been tried for anything criminally right now. And I think people need to stop and really understand that. He, so you have to wonder what is the motivation for resigning, for stepping out of that role. Um, by resigning, you're basically admitting that this was inappropriate behavior. Now, the real question is, was this actual criminal behavior? Um, you have to wonder if by him resigning, he's been kind of saving himself on a personal level from any sort of criminal suits well, that, that came about from that this. He could be facing criminal charges, but I have yet to hear anybody bring up what they actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, accusations of sexual harassment. I mean, sexual harassment, uh, let's see here in New York, a person guilty of class A misdemeanor intentionally and for no legitimate purpose, forcibly touching the sexual or other intimate parts of another um well there is that one allegation where they said he reached inside a blouse i believe 
must have forgot his pen there or something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, some people keep pens or other writing instruments inside their coat pocket on the inside. So he felt that it was just his, you know, his gubernatorial duties to reach inside and make sure he found a writing utensil. Maybe that was a pen he needed to sign some. Maybe that was the the moment that he needed a pen to sign in that executive order, you know, ordering all those older people back into nursing homes that had COVID. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, very, very, very important moment in in New York State Health Department history, right? Right. Right. You know, it's funny. So I think last week we had mentioned the fact that like his his brother wasn't really, you know, they weren't putting him up to talking to or asking him questions about his brother. They recently put him on a a vacation, if you will. Or Mm, I'm sure they did. He said that he was taking a, a vacation. So it's like one of those two things. Like, are they going to put him on like, well, quote unquote, he's taking a vacation. So he's, he's out. Of course, like now is the time that he's going to be taking a vacation in the, in the heat of the scandal. Now's the time. Mm-hmm. So he's on this vacation. He comes back whenever this whole thing blows over, which is probably going to be another week because he re- resigned. So the media is going to fill some other fluff piece with, I mean, they're going to find dinosaur bones and they're going to cover up this with, with that who knows but or is it one of those parts where like you know because we've seen it in the past where these news news agencies they basically put a reporter on quote-unquote vacation and they just never come back again yeah but yep. it's hard to think that he would be one of those people because you have to think that he has the highest ratings of basically anybody that might be on cnn i mean who are we talking about we're either talking about him or we're talking about don lemon and there's no way that don lemon is is carrying the same numbers that he is or maybe maybe anderson cooper anderson cooper yeah but the thing is anderson cooper's stretched pretty thin i mean he's he's up on cbs for like 60 minutes is cbs an entity of cnn or vice versa rather no i don't think they are so he has like two jobs he's like the ryan seacrest of news Yeah, or uh, what's her name? Um, it's Erin Burnett. Erin Burnett. Yeah, she's uh, she's. I think she's in the maybe the six or seven o'clock time slot on CNN. So I mean, I, which goes to show that I mean, obviously, none of the CNN primetime um, opinion piece shows are are of of any interest to to any people. Yeah, I'm looking her up. I have no idea who she is. Yeah. I don't believe that I've ever seen her. But, yeah. I mean, seven o'clock, I'm really not jazzing up the tune into CNN. Uh-huh. It's funny, like, I, you scroll through Facebook and you start to wonder, like, there's people I see that are, are typically, like, every day it's the same topic that they're, they're spouting on, whether it's masks or vaccines or just politics in general, but it's always the same subject. And yeah there's a lot to talk about in politics, obviously, but it's always seems like it's the same topic. Like it's always immigration with this one person, or it's, I don't believe in masks or fuck this COVID thing. It's not, it's not real or whatever. Let me tell you folks, it's very real, but nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm getting, I'm getting employees uh, where I'm at that are, I think I have eight that are out right now with COVID. I mean, whereas two months ago we were at zero. So it's, it's definitely starting to gain some traction again, mm-hmm. but you know, it's crazy because these people that are so involved in this is, is a constant just 
this is my opinion on the same thing that I said yesterday. It's like, dude, maybe you should turn off the news for a couple of days, binge watch a TV show. There's plenty of them. Get your yeah. mind off of this and just hit reset because they come back and it's almost like they've been stewing, right? These people, some of them get suspended from Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. And we could talk about uh, Marjorie Green shortly, but you know, it, it's like you never come up for air. So when your account gets reinstated, it's like all this pent up things. It's almost like you were writing all these thoughts down and you couldn't wait to just vomit them all over social media. But it's the same thing yeah. that you were talking about 30 days ago when you first got suspended. It's like, yep. take a break sometimes, you know, like your life will be so much better if you come up for air. It'll be so much nicer if you just maybe delete Facebook for a little while or delete Twitter for a little while, whatever your social media outlet is. Instagram has become my favorite because you just look at pictures. <laughs> if you don't want to follow somebody, just I don't think, does anybody pay attention to what their followers are on, on Instagram? I, I don't know. I mean, I o- only, o- only the influencers and those that get paid to have people follow them. Well, there you have it. I'm not one of them. Yeah. So maybe that's why I don't really. Neither am I. It's about who our followers are, but it's, it, it's just interesting to me. Um, it is. And it's, it's like, um, it's like the, the, the political climate in this country over the past 10 years has really has really wired people's brains to just be these curmudgeons on their on their end of the political spectrum. It's it's just it's fascinating. And it's like the their their political affiliation can never do anything wrong. It's always the other side that is just god awful. They call each other Nazis. They call each other communists, which is kind of, kind of comical to, to, to hear any of these idiots call the other some sort of totalitarian regime. Um, it's just, it's, it's fast. It's like, eh, you're right. It's like there's certain people, you know, you, you start scrolling down Facebook and like you kind of see their name creep up at the bottom as you're scrolling up. And sure enough, something about politics or something about, you know, some social issue that's going on or something related to COVID or some conspiracy theory. And it's like, Oh God, like when are we going to get the hell out of this? It's just, it, I don't know. It's just, it's totally, totally rewired people's brains where they're just, I don't know, these just malcontents. <laughs> I don't know how to explain. I mean, yes, I, I would kind of get involved at the beginning and I'm like, you know, yeah, we should be on the lookout for this and all this other stuff. But, God, not to that degree. It's I don't you have anything else better to do than just bitch about about the other other political party when yours is just as guilty of of being just as shitty as the other one. Right. You know what the funny thing is is I, I was listening to something earlier today and they were talking about like how you know it's often viewed you know it's something that we've talked about plenty of times in this whole censorship topic and it seems like more often than not you know we're seeing conservative viewership get it's censored and a lot of times Mm -hmm. it has to do with like what we see on like twitter you know with certain people getting uh like the president for example getting getting shut down but a a lot of times i mean conservatives are doing it too i mean we talked about the example just with brandy love going and getting censored simply because of whatever her profession is and not even going there in that capacity you know and and but it does happen it does happen on both sides of the board but we tend to turn a blind eye whenever it's not our party that we're we're trying to affiliate ourselves with that does it you know what i mean yep like you know it's it's just like when you're watching sports right and your team blatantly cheats you catch it you see it but somehow you still try to convince yourself that 
No, no, no. He didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't, you know, reach foul in basketball or that was definitely fair. It landed on the line in a baseball game between fair. Well, yeah. Do, do, he was right. Yeah. The, the other guy dove. Right. <laughs> right. Knowing damn well that your guy's going to dive too. Yeah. I see you're reaching for some poison. I, I don't know how your, your video is at your end. I don't know if you can see this, but I can see it. Look at that. Whoa. Yeah. Crown Royale Apple. Yeah. It was a suggestion from a friend. <laughs> and it's a it's a screw top. So there's no uh there's no it's higher boom. quality. Boom. There's no boom. Oh. Well, I have mine, but it's empty now. Finally finished the 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 whistle pig piggyback. Th- th- this is the last one. Let's see if I could get a good a good out of it. Uh uh-huh. I hear it, man. It's coming across. Okay. You're 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 a wash tub and a clothes washboard away from having a little hillbilly band over there. <laughs> and a banjo. Yes. You know, I told one of my buddies, the one that told me to, to try picking this up, and uh, I was like, you know what? Worst case scenario, if I don't like it, I ended up with a nice green velour bag. Nice. But I could smell the apple. Yeah. Let it chill, my Let's friend. try it out. Yeah. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Salute. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Mm. You know, like you have some bourbons and you have a sip, and until it's chilled, it's like, wow, I feel like I just gnawed on a tree branch. <laughs> that doesn't have any of that. That's like, is it considered a bourbon? What is this considered? I thought Crown Royal is a whiskey. Of whiskey. Well, yeah, you're right. This is whiskey, yeah. Apple flavored whiskey. Product of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Ooh, gift from our neighbors to the north. Nice. And also current World Cup gold medalists in women's soccer. Yep. Happened to beat the U.S. women's team. On their way there. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they ended up beating, I believe it was Sweden. Sweden who beat the United States when they first got it. So, I mean, the two teams that were in the final, they both beat the United States. But, yep. Yeah, man. Sad moment in, uh, in in American sports, I guess. Oh, well, move on. Yeah, I think we'll be okay. I think there's yeah. other things that we've got to worry about. Yeah. One of them being COVID. Yay. Yay. Listen, so if we don't talk about this enough. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, just, I, uh, I came across this article and I thought it was interesting because what it was talking about was whether or not the vaccines were leading to variants. Uh-huh. So basically people were getting COVID while they have the vaccine, which we've learned is possible. Um, and then as it kind of cycles through your, your body, if you will, and then you become transmissible the next version has become mutated and it's because of the vaccine. Is that possible? I not, not real. I mean, I'm no virologist or immunologist, but what I can tell you in being an infectious disease is that when you have any pathogen replicating in very high numbers in, in any patient, the risk uh, or the, the chance of there being some sort of mutant that comes about that's either more virulent or resistant to therapies become uh, increases much higher. 
so what's going on with with these variants now you know these different variants of the same virus can occur on, on a regular basis and in most cases we don't really we don't really notice them um so for instance or they're they're not clinically relevant like they don't really lead to any you know any more significant disease so to give you an example uh, for a few years now, the CDC in their in their flu view, which is their their kind of you know website that that monitors influenza throughout the year and throughout every flu season, uh, looks for variants in different uh, influenza viruses that, that are circulating in the population. And over the past few years, they've noticed certain variants like um, so like there's there's one common seasonal influenza uh, influenza subtype A that is known as H3N2, okay? Kind of like H1N1 back in 2009 that caused the pandemic. H3N2 is just another, is another influenza A subtype. Um, they had been tracking a variant of that that's been occurring in the population on a somewhat regular basis. Um, so again, these, these viruses can mutate. That, that's what leads to, to mutations. But what leads to mutations, typically speaking, is when the virus is replicating unopposed, meaning that it's, it's out of control. There, there is no, there's nothing to stop it. And the only way it really replicates is if it gets in its end host, which it are human beings. If it, in the way it's unopposed in human beings, if those human beings have no immunity, they have no antibodies to this thing, that are basically neutralizing it and preventing it from attaching to our cells, uh, inserting itself or, or getting uh, uh, engulfed by the cells and then hijacking the cell's machinery to replicate itself. Uh, that's, that's how you lead to more virus being made. But in that process, if it's completely unopposed, like what you're seeing with spread of the virus in people with no immunity whatsoever, you're going to get a lot of virus produced, and in the process, a lot of, some of those uh, viral particles may be mutated. And in some cases, like with the Delta variant, it becomes more virulent and more more easily spreadable. Um, so that's what people have to understand. There's I, I, there's no it doesn't really make sense theoretically and realistically speaking that being vaccinated leads to the development of variants. In fact, it should be the opposite because vaccination helps to helps to uh, boost your antibody production before you encounter the actual pathogen itself. Therefore, neutralizing the pathogen inhibits inhibiting its ability to replicate and therefore decreasing the, the probability of any viral particles that evolve from that to be mutants. So that's what people have to understand. It's it's not from the from the vaccine. It's because the especially the Delta variant is unopposed right now within the population in terms of its ability to replicate because it is spreading like wildfire through everybody. I just love using the word mutants, but you could understand why somebody would have that perspective, right? Because just like you know, the human body being exposed to the virus helps the body build up an immune immunity to the virus, right? What if that worked backwards, whereas the virus is being exposed to immunity, so it figures out a way to get around that? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
like the the virus is trying to figure out how to you know combat its its own combatant um I, it's hard to say if that's the case and the reason why i bring that is that a virus is not exactly an intelligent living organism a virus is really is really not considered to be anything living um a virus doesn't it's it and it's hard to explain it a virus is not considered to be a living organism like a bacteria is or even you know cells of a human being so you know living organisms require energy and require nutrients in order to in order to procreate and pass on their genetics to um uh, for, for, for future generations of that particular species. Viruses don't do that. Viruses hijack <clears throat> other living organisms to reproduce themselves, okay? Uh, without an end host for them to attach to and to hijack the cell's machinery, they basically will just eventually break down. So it's, it's just, it's, it's hard. They're, they're not able to, to sustain themselves. They need, they're, they're almost like a parasite. Um, although, you know, even, even a parasite in the, in the most complex sense, like say a tapeworm, even a tapeworm is, you know, is a living organism. It requires a host to draw nutrients off of. A virus really can't do that. A virus just hijacks another cell and replicates itself. Um, it's, it's such a weird, it's such a weird phenomenon of nature. It's, it's not, it, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, but regardless, I mean, you still get the same inflammatory response to a virus as you would say like a bacteria or, uh, a, you know, uh, a parasite or anything like that. Um, so it's just very, it's very odd, just very strange. So, ha you know, ha having said that, uh, uh, uh Think of it as like, and it may not be a great, may not be a great analogy, but think of it as like, you know, if you're, if you're driving your car and your RPMs are within the, are within the normal range, like we'll say three to 4,000 RPMs and you're just, you know, you're just driving along. There's no issues. The, the timing of your, of your engine is, is working very well. It's everything is in sync with it it's controlled. Okay. Now think of it as you start redlining your car, the longer you redline it, the, the higher the probability of the engines, um, synchronization to, to fall out of sync altogether and things can get all messed up. You basically, you get a mistake that happens and it'll break down. Now viruses can kind of do the same thing, they mutate so, or they, they replicate so fast that you're going to get mistakes to occur in their genetics. And in most cases, when a, gen, when, when a mistake happens or a mutation happens, a lot of times it, it leads to, to death. Okay. It's just, a lot of times it's just incompatible uh, with life. Now, again, with virus, it's hard to say if that's actually the case because viruses aren't really living organisms, but at the same time, in some cases, if you get a mistake that occurs, uh, meaning something that, that veers off the, off the beaten path of being normal for that particular organism or that thing, that being, um, sometimes it can lead to enhanced function. This is whole, the whole premise behind, you know, uh, the X 
X-Men and mutants, they have these, these uh, genetic mutations that give them these superpowers. So that leads to enhanced function. In the case of the Delta variant, that's what's happened. You, you had such a rapid replication of the virus unopposed in the human population. It was being spread from human to human that it's, you know, just by the sheer volume of, of the virus replicating in a relatively short period of time, it's no wonder you ended up getting a mistake or genetic mutation that occurred that enhanced the virus's function and its ability to spread from human to human and the, its ability to make people sick. Um, so, you know, the, people ha have to come to understand this, that when you have unopposed viruses replicating in the human population, you're going to get more variants to occur. And in some cases like this, it leads to very, very bad things happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the question remains, like, as this starts to to kind of, I don't want to say kick into overdrive again, but, you know, from where we were a couple of weeks ago, and as this Delta variant kind of gains some traction up here in the Northeast, do you think that we're headed towards mask mandates again? Because there's an awful lot to talk about it. And yep. if we do, it, it makes me question because... The only reason I say questionable in regards to mask mandates is because since the since basically the vaccination process unrolled, there was the leaking of the, the Fauci emails. And in the emails, he's talking about how masks really don't really do much um, as far as preventing people from getting COVID. But then, you know, what's not talked about is something that we talked about here is basically masks lowering the viral road, uh, viral road viral load and <laughs> yeah. people aren't getting as sick because they hadn't taken on as much of the inoculum as they would have had they not been wearing masks. See, I feel like if that's talked about, people will understand it a little bit more rather than just seeing this, you know, blanket statement, well, masks don't prevent it. So why are we wearing them? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's a, unfortunately the, the, the layperson who questions all this, really doesn't look is not looking at the big picture and, and not really taking everything into consideration they're looking at they're not, you know they're a also single not being offered that information but they're also not not being inquisitive about it to say you know is this accurate is you know what information am i am i missing out of this and you i know as well I, as I can't. I some people need to be spoon-fed out information Oh, I, I totally understand that. But that's that that's a responsibility that that person needs to take upon themselves to educate themselves more when it comes to this type of stuff. I, I've heard people say that all the time. Oh, masks don't work. Well, in what context? What do you mean they don't work? In terms of completely keeping the air sterile between you and the outside world? No, they don't work. Um, they don't really work at, you know, these cloth masks don't prevent you from breathing in a, a lot of crap from the outside. That's not what they're meant for. What they're meant for is that if you have the virus and you are in close proximity to other people, it's going to reduce the amount of virus that you're putting out into the immediate environment that could potentially infect other people. Hmm. That's the whole point of it. That, that, that's what it's for. And we've said that from day one, even even before, you know, they started implementing any sort of mask mandate, it was, you know, they're really not useful for protecting you from the outside world, but they're more so for protecting the outside world from you, because you may actually be the problem. 
and you may be spreading the virus around to other people. So if by you wearing a mask, you can potentially protect others. So it's actually by wearing a mask, it's actually an unselfish thing. You are you are trying to prevent other people from getting sick, especially those that are within close proximity to you. So when people just grasp onto this, this idea, masks don't work, you have to ask them, well, in what context? Like, what, what exactly do you mean? Uh, and I could tell you 99 times out of 100, they're not going to be able to, to, to tell you the full picture. No. So that's, because, that's a serious problem. Yeah, because people are also tired of it, right? I mean, for yeah, the longest I, time, I am tired too. Of wearing masks, especially, you know, it's something that we talked about last week as far as, you know, uh, Governor DeSantis's rebuttal towards Biden that exchange that has been unfolding. But he was saying, you know, how are you, you're trying to sell this vaccination to people, but you're telling them that even if they get the vaccine, they're still going to have to wear a mask. So and essentially you're, you're telling people that the, ma- the vaccines don't work. So how are you going to get people to bite onto this idea that, yeah, I should get a vaccine, inject something into my body, um, which is hilarious because there's somebody that I know that's on social media and huge, huge anti, um, anti vaccine, anti mask, uh, COVID's a hoax, whatever. The vaccine is poison. Mind you, this individual, I know for a fact, used to inject himself with Mexican animal hormones to gain muscle mass, but yet this vaccine is something that's going to push him over the edge. Like that just boggles my mind because I know for a fact that this isn't the only person. You know, I mean, there's people I'm sure that have this perspective that no, I'm not taking this vaccine because it's not safe, yet do drugs, yet overindulge in alcohol, yet overeat, yet are overweight. You know, smoke, smoke cigarettes, smoke weed, smoke whatever, you know. Um, but one thing, I mean, drink tons of soda and I'll go back to being overweight because isn't a high percentage of the people that are actually hospitalized with COVID obese, isn't that one of the biggest problems that we're facing, which makes yeah. me wonder why there isn't a more of a push for people to get in better health and encourage healthy lifestyles. If anything, this would be the time, right? Because, you know, every year we're facing more deaths per year because people like to make this characterization right they like to to make the comparison yeah you know x amount of people died from covid but last year x amount of people died from heart disease well what does heart disease stem from usually it's lifestyle decisions right so why don't we make an error why don't we push to improve people's life choices you know i mean nobody's slapping a hot dog out of your mouth when you go to a fucking baseball (laughs) game but they're gonna tell you you know wear a mask do all this xyz you know, forget about being healthy, you know, drink that giant. I mean, you get it. You, if you opt for a large, when you go to a fast food restaurant, Oh my God, you get a soda. That's the size of a, of a bucket that a sheet rocker might use to put, you know, the slop in in the seams. Like it's ridiculous. There's no need to drink that much soda, but this is where we come from. It's such an overindulgence of everything else that exacerbates where we're going with this. You know what I mean? And there's a reason Listen, I understand there's there's people that are seemingly healthy that get this virus that find themselves in precarious situations or on ventilators, whatever the case may be, they need help. Um, are we still using ventilators as like a, a main source of treatment for this? I mean, obviously, if it gets that far, but I'm not hearing uh, yeah. much about the ventilators as I think we were early in the pandemic. No, I mean, p- people are still getting on ventilators, um, and but it's not until like the later stages of the actual disease state. Um, that, that people end up where people go on to uh, respiratory failure. I mean, in some cases you have to, 
because you you have no other choice. It's and it's take a shot with a ventilator, or the the patient is basically gonna gonna suffocate to death because they they can't breathe on their own. Yes, they have literally exhausted their yeah, pretty much. So that, that that's what a ventilator is still used for. But I mean, I think now that the protocols are are a little more comprehensive and a little more clear in terms of when a patient with COVID should really go on a ventilator. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely still being used, but a lot of people will tell you if somebody gets to the point where they need to go on a ventilator, the likelihood of them actually coming off of it alive is relatively low. Um, unless you're, you're young and healthy and just happen to be one of those oddballs where, you know, for whatever reason, your body reacted pretty, pretty abnormally to this particular virus. And you went into that cytokine storm and you got extremely, extremely ill. So, um, that that's something that has to be that has to be kept in mind um but for the most part if you have a, a couple comorbidities that are relatively uncontrolled like diabetes some heart disease and you're even middle aged like 30s 40s and you get covid and you have to go on a ventilator lights out jack yeah, tell you that much it's interesting to think like here we are we're early 40s and, you know, a lot of times we like to still pretend that we're still young, right? Young at heart, but it doesn't mean your heart's young. Very true. So, yeah, yep. you, know, it's you know, we talked about masks before and there was an article that I came across that was talking about what there was a poll that was conducted and who would be in favor of mask mandates again. And it was showing that people be, would be in favor of mask mandates overwhelmingly 60, 40 split. And I don't know anybody who would actually be volunteer. I mean, yeah, there's people that would be willing to, I'm not going to use the word willing. I think that's the wrong word, but all four, I say going back towards mask mandates. But after reading the article, it kind of made me wonder, like, was this article published the way that it was with the figures that it was because it was trying to kind of drum up support for people to go back into mask mandates? Or is it something that was kind of just, you know, it was showing factual data as to who would be willing to go into mask mandates? Because I don't know anybody, like we already passed this conversation just ourselves with the two of us, you know, having been vaccinated, I, th I, I don't like the idea of going back, back towards mask mandates. Yeah, no, I, I... It should. I mean, everybody's fucking sick of them at this point. I mean, nobody's like, yeah, I definitely want to wear my mask everywhere I go. I'm just, I'm so happy to do that. I mean, maybe the people that are wearing a mask are on the highway by themselves. Um, maybe, maybe those are the ones that that are in favor of it. But compared to the rest of the, of the population, I highly doubt people are in favor of mask mandates. Now, if, if you were to kind of expand on that question, say, are you in favor of mask mandates over a lockdown again? Yeah, I would be in favor of, of a mask mandate versus another lockdown and have our economy go to shit again. So, you know, that, that, that's what people have to keep in mind. And, you know, what, what people have to realize about these polls, polls are useless as far as I'm concerned. They're simply opinion pieces for a poll. I was uh, once out of the, the hundreds of or thousands of polls that, that have been published in the past 10 years, at least I got called probably once. And what was it for? Would you support a 10 cent tax on plastic bags? 
No, it was something related to like some election year. So I got on the phone. I was talking with the person, kind of gave him my 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 two cents on on all that. But a poll is asking people for their opinion. It it has no relevance whatsoever. And you also have to consider who you sample. If you're if you're asking all 330 million people in the United States, sure that that poll has relevance. But if you're just randomly calling people, and you know, and and not really seeing what your bias is in that poll, then there's nothing scientific about it. It's just it's same same thing like me, you know, asking ten random people a day in my town, hey, what do you think of um, of increasing our our mill rate? It's it's such a random question. It, it, there's there's no context to it. There's no, there, there's nothing to it that, that really gives people a good reason to give you a, a, an answer that's meaningful. So I, I would caution people to not, you know, to not pay attention so much to these polls because they're simply opinion pieces. And, and you hear these big media news outlets, they're like, oh, uh, um, you know, this poll said this and this poll was in favor of impeaching Trump for the 15th time. I, who cares? It doesn't matter what people think. People's opinions are irrelevant in our day-to-day lives. Now, if there's a piece of of legislation that comes out that dictates how our lives are are to be run, then that's a different story. But people's opinions on if the sky is blue is irrelevant. Okay. I I just, I, I hate polls when I hear people talk, oh, you know, all the people who are, who are polled, said this like i don't give a shit who cares okay, okay. it's meaningless you don't like polls geez all right let's forget about the polls for a second let's forget about the mask <laughs> let's go let's go one step further because we've got some areas that are facing this question of whether or not vaccine passports are going to be coming back yeah i i mean i'm i'm not in favor of of doing something like that um now I you know to to be to be fair a private privately owned business has the right to mandate whatever you know whatever is that they want for patrons to use their business you know you see on on the front of a lot of stores a lot of times no shoes no shirt no service meaning you can't go in there without shoes or a shirt or else you're not going to get served what kind of animal walks around without shoes and a shirt though it's kind of funny Oh, you'd be surprised. I mean, in a beach area, maybe. <laughs> maybe. We have to remind people to wear clothes, really. That's where we're at still. Uh, look, the, the, the general population is still very dumb, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I was and, looking at um, the grocery store the other day, and there was a sign. As you're walking in, you look over, and it says, no smoking. <laughs> you need to be reminded. I mean, where? Number one, who smokes cigarettes anymore? But... You would be surprised or no firearms. I mean, that's, you well, know, no, because you're, that's a hot button topic. I get that. But, but at the same time, that is the one, the one right you have that is protected by the constitution. Not, you know, you have the right to wear clothes or you have the right to smoke or you have the right to get vaccinated. The right to keep and bear arms is actual in, is in the constitution. It is the second amendment. And yet people abide by that. People that own guns, or at least they they appear to, unless they're concealed carrying those particular weapons. Now, I mean, at the same time, 
if you go to somebody's house as a guest and they ask you politely, hey, you know, in our house, we don't wear our shoes in our house. You have to be respectful of their rules of their household because they're telling you, I don't want you to wear shoes in my house. I think shoes are dirty. They, they step on the ground of the outside world, which is extremely dirty. Yeah, you were just and moonwalking so, across bubblegum all over the sidewalk on the way into the house. <laughs> exactly. Um, at the same time, they can also tell you, if you're sick, please don't come over. I don't want you to get anybody else in my family sick. You have to, you have to respect the, the rules of another household in the same way you have to respect the rules of a business, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, you don't need to go there. The, the business doesn't need to accommodate you for you, you know, wanting to violate their rules and regulations. It's as simple as that. Now, if the federal government came out with this whole thing of, you know, you need to use a vaccine passport, I can, I can see the, the uproar behind that because then the federal government is mandating that, which potentially can, can cause issues with trade and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, and it, but again, there's nothing in the Constitution that says the federal government does not have the right to mandate vaccines or vaccine passports. So that's what, you know, people have to get their, their mind around that. Well, that's not going to be in the Constitution because when the Constitution was written, there was no such thing as vaccination. Right. But Congress still has the ability to, to put forth another amendment to the Constitution. I mean, you, you obviously need a, a certain quorum of, the, uh, of, the, the, of Congress and, and all that other stuff to, to make that the change to the Constitution. They have the ability to do it, mm. just that they, they choose not to. But also, you know, you start to talk about adding amendments to the Constitution. Don't forget these things could start to go on to different entities like the Internet or, or, or whatever. And next thing you know, you know, Facebook and Twitter are handled differently than our traditional freedom of speech or First Amendment, mm-hmm. which we're already yeah. seeing because they're privately owned companies. And, you know, we, we, we've seen what happens with that. You know, it yeah. makes me wonder, like, you, you know, we, we were talking about masks and it, it raises a question whether or not, you know, in the future, people that are sick will wear masks out of, out of consideration. And, and I find that as a, almost a hard no, because you're saying, you know, the reason you just defined is, is for wearing masks in the first place is because not so much, you know, to stop you from getting sick, but to stop yourself from getting other people sick, you know, uh-huh. and it makes me wonder because I know, you know, I've, I, or even early on in the pandemic, you know, we, the reference is always made, you know, we've been seeing in your, in Asia, people have been wearing masks for years now. Right. Yep. And it's actually, it's become part of their culture where it's rude if you're sick and you don't wear a mask. Do you think that that would ever catch on here in America? Because I no. find it hard to believe that it ever would. No, <laughs> no. Americans are are too self absorbed to consider anything like that. And, and and you know, and that's the thing about about being an American is that you know, there's this. It's you know, being an American has morphed into this thing where you only care about yourself. Like you know, your your freedoms are are only about caring about yourself. But realistically, being an American is is being selfless toward others. That, and I, I'm not suggesting people should just give up everything that they have to just take care of other people and, you know, be a be a a, a Gandhi of, of a type of person. Um, but it's you know, like everybody 
everybody, you know, a, a lot of these, these hardcore far right Americans that, um, that, that, you know, always yell about their freedoms and all this other stuff always, you know, talk about the military and the military being badass and all this other stuff and being, you know, very American. Well, the military is very, very American. And we have a long history of that because of people that have made the ultimate sacrifice and being selfless and the giving themselves up to provide for a better future for other people. So then they could advance our society. So, so that's what it is to be American is to be selfless, not to be selfish and only give a shit about yourself and not care uh, or not, 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 not give a flying fuck about anybody around you. Being American is being selfless and caring for your fellow American. And this is one way to do that. It's very simple. It's not hard. Nobody's asking you to give, you know, your, your right leg to a cause. They're asking you to put a piece of cloth over your mouth to be considerate toward others. So you don't get them sick with this thing that could kill them. It's pretty fucking simple as far as I'm concerned. And yet people are just, are just, they have this, this selfish attitude where oh, you're violating my rights. What right? There's no right in the fucking constitution that says that, that, that you, you know, thou shalt not wear a mask ever. Where, where are people coming up with this? It's you just have the it's right so to idiotic. Spread a disease. You have a right to spread yeah. illness. It's just it's so, so dumb. Well, the funny thing is, is, you know, we, we joke about these people that ride around in their cars, right? Nobody's making you drive around in your car wearing a mask. But if you can't put on a mask for like the 15 seconds that it takes to run inside 7-Eleven to get your big gulp the size of a fucking goldfish bowl, <laughs> like you're, you'll make it, you'll survive. It's not going to suffocate you. It's crazy. You know, and we talk about some of the rights that we have. I came across this podcast that had a guest on it. Yon, I'm probably going to butcher the name. Yon. Yon me, Y E O N M I, Yon me, Park. Nonetheless, uh-huh. she's she's a uh, she was from North Korea, and uh, she's an activist, she's an author. She wrote a book called "In Order to Live." It was a, a North Korean's girl, a North Korean girl's journey to freedom. And the reason that I bring this up is because there's so much discussion on what rights are being violated, and you know we've talked already. We touch on the idea of censorship, and this is an individual who lived in North Korea. Um, became desensitized to the image of seeing bodies floating down the river because it was a common occurrence. People have this idea of what North Korea is, and it's not nearly as, the image that they have isn't as bad as what it actually is. So we're not even imagining this place to be as vile and crazy as it actually is. There's no internet. Like this person was talking, like I said, about their her desensitization to, to to watching bodies that were you know floating down the river. These aren't bodies that are floating in rafts, by the way, down the river, just on a you know a nice pleasure cruise, like they're down the, in Connecticut. We got the Farmington <laughs> River, but these are people. She said, you know, seeing somebody whose intestines were hanging out of their body, like basically yeah. waiting to die as the flies landed on them. Like it, it, it's crazy, and how people in prisons here, right? In, in Connecticut, we just had this big push for prison reform and how they wanted to give inmates more out of cell time. And now tablets are being distributed inside the, the correctional facilities. Over there, people go to, to prisons, which in turn become, for some offenders, concentration camps. Now, we think that word doesn't exist anymore because there's no Auschwitz, there's no more Nazi Germany, but there's mm-hmm. concentration camps and they exist in North Korea. And what they do to some of these, these prisoners is 
North Korea does does nuclear testing. We do it. They do it too. Uh-huh. They actually they actually have prisoners at these concentration camps go to the areas of the go to the blast zone, if you will, and do the cleaning. Do you think they survive for more than a month after that because of the radiation poisoning? No. So these are their own citizens, right? We're not even uh-huh. taking them into consideration. So this is somebody who escaped all that, right? Came to America and is looking and saying, you know, like I just came from North North Korea where so much is censored. There's no internet. You're not allowed to, you, you don't even know what it's like to love another person. The only person that you're told that you could love is their supreme leader, right? Yeah. That person, like, the, they're taught that time started when he was born like there was no earth <laughs> that's when things started and the thing is we could laugh about it because we think this whole thing is so crazy because we are so detached from what that would be that kind mm-hmm. of impression you know and she gives this i this this perspective where you know she's like people here in america that say that they're oppressed they're they're not because if you think that you're oppressed you're not oppressed because the people that she you know people that she 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 grew up with in in being in north korea and living there they weren't allowed to have their own thoughts right mm-hmm. so they were those are the people that are oppressed like you don't have your your own thoughts you don't have your own marriages if you're to meet somebody and you're in different classes right say you know you're you're working class you meet somebody who is you know doing well for themselves if they were to get married the person in the lower class doesn't gain wealth and move up in society that person moves down so because of that you don't have these interactions where people like megan markle that would never happen in a North Korea setting. Yeah. Like he was royalty. She was not. That wouldn't happen. All of a sudden, well, it's kind of funny to use that as an example because now he's kind of separating himself from royalty. Um, <laughs> but you, you get the picture, right? But yeah. she was saying like how there's so much censorship. It's like she just came from someplace. She's like, America is supposed to be this land of the free, and like First Amendment, freedom of speech, speak your mind. But then you have things like Twitter, like Facebook, where they censor you and kick you off of their platform if you have an idea that doesn't really agree with what they're trying yeah. to, to push, if you will. But yep. that leads me towards you know a, another thing that I had bullet pointed for, for this evening's podcast. And this is Marjorie Green. Um, where is she? Marjorie Taylor Green. Georgia. Person, Georgia. So... Mm-hmm. She ended up getting her Twitter suspended for a week because of misinformation as far as vaccinations. Now, here's where it becomes a slippery slope, right? Because we have censorship. It's on a private platform, which I already discussed. But we could take this out of the equation, right? Are we, We'd like to think that we're protecting people from false information being spread because you know, we've been talking already about how you know, making this vaccination more popular would be more beneficial to kind of get us out of this whole thing, right? I think we could agree mm-hmm. on that. So we're trying to push that. 
and you have somebody that's spreading misinformation saying, like, if you have somebody who is an influential person like this politician from, from Georgia, there's a lot of people that are listening to her, right? So yep. she gets a following. There's people, you know, we've talked about it before, like people get in these, these social media groups and they're going to agree with everything that this person says because it kind of toes their party's line, if you will. Yep. If you have somebody that's spreading this mis- misinformation, it could potentially be dangerous. It's f- even fatal, right? So yeah. it's almost like you should be able to pull the reins back, right? And stop somebody from spreading misinformation. But where does it, where does the line come in? Like if you're already censoring somebody from saying something that could potentially be dangerous, who decides on what's dangerous and what's not? And where do you draw the line? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And I, I think this is, this is a snippet of a bigger problem that we have here in the United States, which is people have lost the skill to th- think critically for themselves. And this is on, <clears throat> this is in many different areas of society. So whether it's religion, and I, I want to focus specifically in the United States. I don't want to really go outside the United States because there's other issues in other countries that where you have, uh, uh, you know, people that are uneducated that follow certain people blindly. But let's let's focus on the United States specifically. I mean, that that problem still applies to people here in the United States, which is kind of surprising because we're supposed to be this this highly educated, highly advanced society in comparison to the rest of the world. And yet people will blindly follow uh, higher profile influential figures without thinking critically about what that person is doing or what that person is saying. Uh, religion is, is one, is one aspect of it. Celebrities are others. High profile athletes are others. And then politicians, politicians are a huge reason why we have a serious divide in this country between liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, and so on and so forth. Exactly what's going on in Florida and Texas as well are are two examples of people just blindly following their governors and agreeing with everything that they say to to be completely, quote unquote, defiant of anything related to COVID, the vaccine, mask mandates, anything like that. Without them actually, they're like, oh, you know, our governors are the absolute best at, at, at dealing with COVID. And they sift through all the bullshit and then they tell us that. Have they really done that? I want you to really stop and think. Have you really looked at all the information as a whole? Has your governor of your state actually sift, quote unquote, sifted through all the bullshit to give you a sound recommendation as what you're going through right now? That I can tell you no they haven't actually sifted through the bullshit. What they're actually are doing is feeding you bullshit to believe that what they're doing is the best thing for you. But in fact, what you're doing is that you, you are completely blind to everything that they're telling you. 
and that that's supposed to be good because, oh, look at me. I have all these freedoms now in my state. Congratulations. Good for you. Your state is on the brink of collapse because of COVID, because of COVID cases. Okay. So people just blindly follow these influential people without really doing their own due diligence to, to validate what this person has said. They don't. And it, this is, it, this is a problem. Also, this is the, the, the bigger, the bigger problem that we have, not necessarily the censorship. The censorship is a, is a, is a side effect. It's, it's a, it's a symptom of this bigger problem of people not having the ability to think critically and to, and to postulate their own, their own, uh, I, I don't even want to call it an opinion, I guess, uh, postulate their own informed opinion or their, their informed choices that, that, that they make because they don't. And just having in-depth conversations with people that are so opposed to things like masks and vaccines, it's very clear to see that they haven't researched things themselves. And I, I know we talked about how, how stupid that the actual term is nobody's actually doing research, but um, they, they don't read enough. They're, they're not willing to educate themselves. They're not willing to learn more. Um, and so with that, they lose their ability to think critically. And hence the reason why we're in the, we're in the, 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 the predicament that we're in right. is well, because people are is, too fucking stupid. Exactly. And the thing is, is, you know, just to piggyback on what you just said, the thing is, is somebody like Marjorie Green is elected so that means people elected her which means there's a spot mm-hmm. in this country that collectively think the ideas that she represents are a great representation of their patch of dirt yep I, I, that's all over the country yep. she's one example uh lauren bober in colorado is another example uh alexandria ocasio-cortez in new york is another one Ilhan Omar in Minnesota, Rashida Tlaib in, in, in Michigan. They're all coming from districts with heavy populations of people that blindly follow these, the, these numbnuts. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious at, at this point in time. I don't understand how the people in those areas don't look at these people. And like even like we used... We used last week, we were talking about uh, Pelosi in, in San Francisco, like how it's basically turning into this cesspool. And yet the people that live there keep turning to her and saying, yep, she represents my ideas. It's crazy. I don't get it. I, I agree. I agree. But that's, that's politics for you. See, the, the, the thing is, is that it's, I, I don't believe it's the actual politicians that believe in this stuff. The politicians are the, are, are the, the, the parasites that will latch on to the majority idea in those areas and say, yeah, you know what? I represent you. So therefore vote for me. So I can, I can take all the power. I don't, I don't really believe a lot of these politicians believe in those same ideas. And I don't think that they would actually push those same ideas because like some of these places are completely, completely off the charts weird when it comes to their thought process and and, and their, and their ideologies. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine what the campaigning is like in the, for these individuals in those areas? Like Nancy Pelosi, how much is she worth? She's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? 
Mm-hmm. And it only expands during every election cycle. She gains millions yeah. and millions and millions. So if she has to sink a million dollars of her own money into these campaigns in her own areas just to drum up support for her, I mean, she's going to just overwhelming, like all you're going to see on the streets is Pelosi. She could afford to do that. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. The average voter is not going to know that there's anybody else besides her to vote for. Mm-hmm. And I mean, an incumbent like her, who's going to, who's going to have the war chest to try to, go against her yeah you're i mean especially where, where she's at you're gonna have to you're you're gonna have to get the gain the support of a lot of tech companies within within uh um silicon valley and we all know from the past year and a half that a lot of those folks that work at those big tech companies within silicon valley aren't exactly conservatives uh they are 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 you know socialists by to to put it nicely they are socialists and why do they do that because they know that they they have the affluence not influence they have the affluence they have the money uh to to put forth proposals for policies that keep them at the highest tiers of society while basically shitting on the rest of citizens that are just of the working class so they're they're gonna you know pump money in, into these into these campaign finance and these or all these campaigns for these candidates that that will that have these same ideologies or that claim to have these same ideologies just so they can so they can sequester power. So it's it's like a win win situation for these influencing people as well as the politicians in those areas because they basically work hand in hand, whereas the people in the middle get shit on by both sides. Yeah, but once again, it becomes this argument of conservative versus progressive, but there's nobody else with a progressive mindset that thinks maybe Pelosi isn't the best person to represent that area, or I mean, or it's just sacrilege to go against an incumbent if you're the same party. That's that's pretty much what, what, it, what it is, and that, and that person will basically get blackballed from, from any further, you know, any, any further political dreams or or or, uh, or or aspirations let's put it that way hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's where the idea is born and dies pretty much hmm. yeah yeah so taking a back step here you know talking about uh, just these variants that continue to kind of take over and, and you know we talked about people even vaccinated getting covid and and although keeps the symptoms somewhat at bay right um yep but the idea of boosters has, has come up over the past couple of days and, and talk about those um you know we we cited flu vaccinations and needing boosters every year um, mm-hmm. I, I think initially you know people would have toy around with the idea of covid possibly needing a yearly uh booster but uh, I think a lot of people initially thought that it was kind of going to be like, almost like I'll use polio vaccine as a, as an example, like you get a polio vaccine, it's almost for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about it again. Um, with the COVID vaccine, obviously we're seeing that that's not the case that boosters and, and everything along the line, you know, years down, down the road. I mean, it's almost like, is it going to be like a yearly thing? Like we see with the flu vaccine. So we're going to have like a flu vaccine every year and a COVID vaccine every year. It's possible. Uh, I mean, it's it's still very early to say if, if that's actually going to be the case. Um, but it's it's very possible. Now, it, it, 
it, it depends on the virus. It depends on how frequently it mutates. So like that, that's the case with, with influenza. I mean, you can have variants, but one of the biggest things is, is um, something, and I know we talked about it on, on previous episodes was um, the antigenic drift that the influenza virus goes through uh, with, with its hemagglutinin and, and uh, neuraminidase proteins that it has that help it to attach to human cells. Um, so when you, when you get vaccinated for influenza, it's to boost up your antibody production against, uh, against the, these two types of, of enzymes or receptors on, on influenza to help block it from basically attaching to your respiratory cells within your lungs. And, um, and then, like I said, hijacking your replicating itself, spreading to other people, so on and so forth. But you can get mutations in those those receptor enzymes on influenza that don't become a good match for the actual antibodies that, that you have produced, whether it's through natural infection or through, or through the actual uh, vaccine itself. And so therefore you, you need frequent updates to your influenza uh, uh, immunity via vaccine to ensure that you help to neutralize these, these uh, viral particles that you may potentially encounter in the future. Um, so the same may occur with, with coronavirus. I mean, we're, we're seeing these, these variants where the antibody production from the vaccines may not be a 100% match, uh, but at least they offer some protection. So um, it, it, I, I think the jury is still out at this point. Uh, but it's it's a very it's a very good possibility. I don't think we have enough scientific evidence at this point to say definitively that moving forward we're going to need these vaccines every year. Mm-hmm. I, I personally I would prepare for that, just so people kind of can can manage their own expectations. Yeah, but in the short term, until we kind of reach that herd immunity, do you? Th- I feel like I mean. I was talking to somebody earlier today and they were talking about, you know, the idea of boosters coming out and I see how some people are getting ravaged by this. I'm, I don't want to be a pin cushion. I don't want to be a Guinea pig for anything, but I feel like, I mean, I know somebody who got COVID and they're like, yeah, I got asthma from that. I already have asthma. I don't want to go through that. So for me anyway, the idea of a booster, I mean, if they, if the doctor says that it's a good idea, um, I think it would be, a, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to the doctor. I'm not going to listen to what the, the trash collector on Facebook has to say about whatever he read from whatever article he read. Or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, uh, I don't think she's a great representative for the uh, medical community. Yeah. You know, and, and I gave the example that you gave last week, you know, talking about how some of these healthcare professionals are refusing to take the vaccine and how you know, gave the perspective and really you laid out and it's something that stuck with me. Uh, it resonated uh, in, in saying that, you know, people that are in the medical community, if they're refusing to take the vaccine, it kind of just like, well, what are you in the medical community for? You yeah. know, like you're supposed to believe in the science. You're supposed to back the science. This is what you spent your, 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 this is your life's work. You went to school for this, like, so to, to, to kind of, yeah. so what does that say about your medical care that you provide? Is it kind of, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's a farce basically. Right. It's a farce. I, I mean, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna lay it out there. If if medical professionals are refusing to get the vaccine because they don't you know they don't believe in it, 
they don't trust it, then they're not real medical professionals that are responsible for educating themselves on all new therapies and all new treatments for different ailments for patients in order to treat patients appropriately. So then, you know, what's your, what's your purpose in life as a medical professional? That's what being a medical professional is. You're supposed to keep up with the medical literature. If you're not willing to do that with this, then you're a fraud, basically. You're not a real healthcare professional. I hate to, I hate to put it out there for, for my colleagues in healthcare that, that think differently, but I, I, and I'm, I'm putting this out there because that, that's, that's how I functioned. You have to read the medical literature. You have to read the evidence. You have to be educated on it to take care of your patients appropriately. So if it's good enough to take care of your patients and the evidence is there, but it's black and white, it should be good enough to take care of you. Okay. Now, sure. You can have some, some, you know, some varying opinions on things, the way clinical trials were designed or the evidence that's out there and so on and so forth. I get that, but you know, this isn't some rare disease state where, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, magic pixie dust may or may not work for something. I mentioned it a couple months ago in a year's time, the number of medical articles that had been published on COVID, all encompassing, all subjects related to COVID, in the past year, numbered close to 100,000. Okay, 100,000 medical articles were published in the searchable medical literature online on COVID-19. Believe me, there is enough evidence out there to tell you, number one, that this is real, what therapies may and may not work and the vaccines work and are relatively safe. Again, when you, when in infectious diseases, we don't always have the luxury of having this large randomized clinical trial to prove if a treatment is effective or not, or if it's safe or not. We don't have, you know, large clinical trials numbering in the tens of thousands with new drugs that come out onto the market, let alone the Pfizer study that had 44,000 patients in it between both the active arm and the placebo arm. That's unheard of in infectious diseases, unless you're talking about things like, say, uh, uh, HIV or, or, uh, or uh, you know, uh, influenza or something like that. Then it's a different story. But generally speaking, for other, all other uh, acute infectious diseases, like pneumonia, like skin infections, urinary tract infections, those, those numbers, you know, are, you're lucky if you're, get, if you're able to get a trial with, with 1,000 patients in it. <laughs> and these, these vaccines had patients that numbered in the dozens of thousands, not a couple hundred, 44,000 in the Pfizer study. There's more than enough evidence there to show you, statistically speaking, the vaccine was very efficacious versus placebo at preventing serious illness and death due to COVID-19. 
It, it was proven. I, I, what other evidence do you need? And so therefore, if you're not willing to look at that evidence and say with confidence, this data is real, you shouldn't be practicing medicine. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just, to be honest with you, I didn't know the numbers as far as the studying went. I didn't know that there was 44,000 people that were involved. I know that uh, myself as well as a couple others that were putting their names in the hat for uh, testing as far as the vaccine goes. They're like, listen, I said, if this is my chance to get it before everybody else does and I could have something that works, I mean, they're not going to put it to trial if they didn't think that they're, it's not like they're just pumping you full of Betty Crocker's fucking pancake. <laughs> Cookie dough. And, and hoping, <laughs> ah, maybe this is, this is it, but you know, there's some science. No. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an extremely, extremely rigorous process. And the, the average person has no clue whatsoever. And I can guarantee you a lot of healthcare professionals also don't understand that. Now, I, I, you know, I had the luxury of working in a hospital for almost 10 years and then working for a pharmaceutical company for seven years. So I understand the painstaking data that people have to pour over just to come to the right, to, to, to pull the right data to give you something meaningful out of a trial. And I'm not saying like they're making shit up as they go along. It's, I have to go through the details of all this and document everything appropriately, because if I don't, I can totally skew these results. And we, we don't want that to happen, but this is what I mean. Like, you know, when you're talking about researching drugs, it's not like, you know, you're trying to figure out what the next color of Play-Doh is going to be. It's, it's not that simple. It's very, very, very complex and painstaking. And the fact that you have healthcare professionals that are blowing this process off, that that are blowing off this, 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 uh, you know, the, the, this, this quality of work really makes me question, why are they even in healthcare? Why are they taking care of people if they don't believe in what they're doing? It's fascinating. Fascinating or almost disturbing both i mean fascinating because it is disturbing yeah it's uh so when you pull apart our newspaper you have the like the front page right so we covered that mm-hmm. with Momo and everything that's going on with that you have the different sections of it but then you get to the middle right the sports section we don't really talk about too many sports but one sport that i really no. want to talk about is this yep. bombshell that unfolded in, in Barcelona <laughs> with Leon? Uh, no, no, hold on. What? It's Bar- Barcelona. Okay. I'll you got to say it with a lisp. I can't. Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I need a couple more crowns and then I'll just be saying it uh, without any, any help. So Lionel Messi. Yes. Kylian Mbappe. Mm-hmm. Neymar. Yep. Sergio Ramos. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've talked about. Hold on, before. wait a minute. Keep John going. Luigi Donnarumma. There you go. Goalkeeper. The list goes on. The, 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 yep. the list oh goes yeah, on. it does. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of Manchester United. Uh, I've been very vocal about it. We've talked about it a couple times on even this podcast. 
I'm also a fan of Mbappe, as I am mm. the French, the, the French national team. You know, heritage. He just kind of. I, I want to see the United States do well, but uh, you know, soccer is one of those sports where, like, you kind of go back and you look where your heritage may be from and you kind of, you root for your heritage, you know, like I know what Italians like yourself, you root for Italy, you know, Irish friends of mine, they're going to root for, for Ireland and and so forth. But I've always thought it was cool that Mbappe, young player, he's maybe 22 years old, fascinating to watch fast ball skills unparalleled, but he plays for Paris Saint-Germain who plays in the heart of France. I always thought that was great. It's just like, you know, you want to see some of the best players, you know, in, in baseball in the United States, you want to see some of the best players play for the premier teams, like the Yankees. What's the word that's typically used to describe an American, a Yankee. So you have yep. some of the best players playing for the Yankees, you know, and respect to the, to the Red Sox too. I mean, I know they have a lot of fans overseas, but you know, I, I always liked the fact that he was playing there. Um, PSG, they gave Manchester United some problems over the past couple of years in the Champions League. They played in the final, I believe, in the Champions League this year. And they think that Lionel Messi, he's he's the missing piece. And it's it's hard to argue that. I mean, he's arguably yeah. the best player in the world. I mean, uh-huh. him, Cristiano Ronaldo always go back and forth. What a fascinating player he is to watch, as well as Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. So the idea of Kylian Mbappe playing on uh, there, I mean, it's going to be so fat and the passing so precise and just the ball. It just, I'm looking forward to to seeing it. It it, it reminds me, I mean, like, you know, speaking of the Yankees, it it reminds me of the Yankees of the late nineties, middle to late nineties just had, uh, they were basically the all-star team. Just the, 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 like the, the hall of fame, uh, worthy players that that were on that team. I mean, you had Wade Boggs, you had uh, Roger Clemens, uh, with with an asterisk, I, I guess you could say. But you know, Darryl you Strawberry. had Daryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden, even at one point, David Cohn, uh, Derek uh, Jeter, Derek Jeter. You you had that that whole you know that at the time they were relatively young. Th- those four, you know, you had you had uh uh. uh Jorge Posada, you had uh, what the hell's his name? Um, Paul O'Neill. Yeah, Paul O'Neill. You, you had uh, you had so many fantastic players on that Yankee squad, and that's exactly what it reminds me of 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 this PSG team that that just picked up Lionel Messi. I mean, you're talking about great players within their individual countries when they play on on the world stage, let alone all concentrated into one fucking club team. It's, it's very, very impressive. Very impressive. I mean, if they don't, if they don't, you know, if they don't win the championship within, within France, let alone in all of Europe or whatever the hell, what is the, 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 not, not, not the champions league. Is it the, is it the champions league? Is that the final, like yeah. what it, don't, don't, don't they get the best team from, from different leagues within Europe and then, yeah, that's one thing that I always found fascinating about European soccer. So basically, the top four teams from the English Premier League, they move on to the Champions League and they participate in that, tro- that tournament. Yeah, that's right. But there's, there's teams from 
from everywhere. There's there's teams from yeah. La Liga. There's teams from Serie A. There's team the Bundesliga. Um, the, yep. just a, across the board. So you're getting like the top team. The thing is, is the, you know here with the United States, we basically join forces with Canada for basically every major team sport, baseball. You know, you have Toronto yep. Blue Jays. You have really that's it. Formerly the Montreal Expos. You know, NHL. You have teams to the north. You have basically this past hockey season. In the NHL, you had an entire conference run from teams just from Canada. You know, even basketball, you have the Toronto Raptors, right? So, yeah. you know, so pretty much every every major sport, we, we join forces. But I believe there's a tournament, uh, like, you're, it's not the Champions League, but it's something similar where teams from the MLS, Major League Soccer here in the United States, they will play against some of the best teams from like the Mexican league or, or some of the other South American teams. Uh, I'm not really quite sure as far as that goes, because really a majority of the attention in the soccer world goes towards the, the champions league, because that's where the money is. That's where all yeah. the players in the world are. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've, since I was a kid, I, I, you know, since I started playing, paying attention to, and I'm not a, a huge, like, you know, I don't, I don't follow like, club soccer that that much throughout the world and i don't follow it cup in the world cup that's really what when i pay attention and it's because obviously i follow italy and 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 watch them play um but in terms of club playing i i really paid started paying attention to it after the 1990 world cup and i got to liking some of the players on the italian team at the time which were which were um uh, Toto Schilacci and um, and uh, at the time Roberto Baggio, he was he was an up and coming player in 1990, and then kind of blew up between 1990 and 94. And then unfortunately he had that mishap in 94 World Cup, which I'm still still fucking terrorized by. What's uh, every kicked? Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, but like so, having said that, both both uh, um, Toto Schilacci and and Roberto Baggio played for Juventus, and I I had always followed Juventus since I was a kid. And again, not not like you know I'm a fanatic of that team. I don't like watch the the you know you know team news or watch their training videos or anything like that. I just they're just kind of like if I were to watch a team, if I were to root for one, that's what I would root for just because they have a long history. They're like the New York Yankees of, of, of uh, Italian soccer or of Serie A, which is the Italian league of, of professional soccer w- w- within Italy. Um, so, you know, like the, that's the squad that I always followed, but to see another team in Europe that is stacked like that. I mean, I don't think we've seen a team like that since was it was it Barcelona or, or Real Madrid or both at one point, just like Real 10 Madrid years ago, they had, had a stacked team. I mean, that was yeah. back when, when Ronaldo played on there, not Cristiano, yep. but Ronaldo. From yes. Brazil. It was Ronaldo. Yep. Zinedine Zidane played on the team. It was, yep. uh, well, David Beckham was on that team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about I wanna, like I want to say Xabi Xabi Alonso was on that team. He might not have been. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's a good question. But yeah, I mean, that team was amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, even uh, I mean, any any given year of of Serie A where 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 Juventus won, I mean, they they had a great team too. So it's it's just it's it's interesting to see that and and to to pay attention to soccer on the world stage and to see some of these player concentrated in some of these these uh, teams within different countries is is fascinating. I mean that 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 team is is going to be ridiculous if if they don't win the entire thing it, it'd be a, a huge disappointment to be honest. <laughs> you think? I mean, um, <laughs> well, I'm looking at some of these guys that were on that team. Like, uh, it was 2000, but Casillas, he was a phenomenal goalie. Yeah. Melka, he played there. I didn't realize uh, Raul. There's another one. Mm-hmm. So these teams, like they, they don't pick up the the bottom of the barrel. They're going for the best, and it's just insane. oh yeah, Gareth Bale, Jesus, that was mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo yeah. was the first player ever to score against every team in a single season in La Liga. It's <laughs> interesting. I, I loved watching him when he was on Manchester United. He was so, like, he was young. He wasn't that disciplined yet, which meant he got awfully flashy sometimes and just made moves that he didn't really have to, but he wouldn't. God, yeah. it was that fun to watch, man. Yeah. Between, it was funny because you had him, who was this showboat, and you had Wayne Rooney on the team, who was just this this guy who just smashed Tank. the ball through. Yeah, he, was just, <laughs> he smashed the ball through the net. And conversely, would also be the guy, if you were going to get into a bar fight, you would want that to be the guy. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. He, he always kind of scared me. He's a manager now. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah he played a couple seasons in MLS for Washington United, or DC United, rather. Um, and then he just went, I, think, I don't know if this is his first year. Last year was his first year. He's a coach of... <sighs> Derby Athletic, I want to say, I could be, uh, I, I could be wrong. It's a team over in England, because gotcha. like now in, in the English Premier League, they're starting to do their preseason games, and I think okay. they, I think they kicked off their first game against Derby, and they were showing just pictures of Wayne Rooney and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's the 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 manager of Manchester United now, who they were teammates. So it was kind of cool to see that reun, reunite. But yeah, it was cool. But yeah, interesting. I, I, I mean, I I don't know what channel carries <laughs> La Liga games. I have no clue, but I, I'm interested to see. You know, once they get the ball rolling, so to speak, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and if they, I think so. If they aren't successful, it's going to be a head scratcher because, like you said, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends. It was probably like three of us that were having a conversation. My friend. Uh, who was also a Yankee fan, as I am, and another one of our friends who's a, a Mets fan, and, and the Mets fan was saying, he's like, you know, this is probably like early 2000s, maybe it was in between like when they played in the, the World Series and lost against the Diamondbacks in 2001. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, they won again in 2009, but it was in, in the middle of that sometime. I want to say maybe like 2004, 2002, maybe. But I remember having a conversation. There was a, it was a drunken night of wings and, and you know pitchers of beer when pitchers were still a thing. I, I don't think I ever see pitchers of beer anymore. 
couldn't tell you the last time that I saw that. But I think, I think since I stopped playing hockey, I think pitchers just went away altogether all over the globe. You took them with you. I did. Retirement. No, I That's remember there was one time you and I were actually together in a <laughs> hockey game that we played in, and then we went to go to a, a place and, and with a couple of our other teammates, and we wanted we ordered a pitcher, and she looked at us. She's like, "Yeah, we stopped carrying pitchers. We, they're trying to turn this into a family restaurant." Like, wow! So that's the first thing you do you get rid of pitchers. So, yeah. but nonetheless, the conversation uh, I was starting to tell you about was, you know, the Mets fan. He's looking at us. He's like, "Yeah, well." You know, the Yankees have no farm system. And my friend and I, we just looked at each other. He's like, what do you mean the Yankees don't have a farm system? They have a farm system. It's Major League Baseball. They'll just go and get whoever they want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just buy who you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the I, funny I, thing I, is some of the guys that they had coming up, like, came through the system. I think Robinson Cano was somebody who came through the system. They didn't get him from anywhere. And the next thing you know, they're selling him off to, I think, Seattle, right? He went to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They bought some big names. Jason Giambi, they bought, you know, he didn't really yeah. too well. Alex Rodriguez. He won a championship with him. 2009. Yeah. On that team. Exactly. Who was exactly. that team? That rock star that used to play in Cleveland. Nick Swisher. <laughs> I, he, he was awesome. I love them. He was such a crowd favorite. He was. Yep. The funny just thing like, is, is he played in the old timers game. Not, I think the, the the summer before COVID was a thing. Oh, really? 2019, I think it might have been 2019. He played in his first old timers game. Mind you, he's oh. like he's like our age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How sad is that? It's like, yeah, you're you're 41 years old, dude, and you're playing against Goose Gossage, who's 105. Like, I think you could. <laughs> just like yeah and he crossed the i think he crossed the plate like put his fingers up to the sky like nodded like yep got that one thanks god <laughs> i just i just hit a home run off of 95 year old goose gossage yeah whitey ford rolled the one down the down the plate <laughs> these guys are pitching in this, in this they, they can't even pitch anymore it's almost like they have this you ever go bowling with like your kids and they have like the thing you just push the ball down and they, like it rolls down like the stand. Yeah. That's what they have for these guys pitching. Just <laughs> drop it in this thing and it just lobs it across the plate. Oh, that's great. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what, what happens with, uh, with this team. I, 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 I kind of have a bit of a, bit of a renewed interest in, uh, in a, a league soccer play or a soccer league play, whatever the hell you want to call it. I guess until next year's world cup, if we still have it, Absolutely. <clears throat> which my God, you see the Olympics, there's people passing out because it was so hot. Could you imagine what it's going to be like at the world cup next time? I think it's being mm. held in Qatar. It's in the middle of a desert in the summer. <laughs> yeah. I, hopefully they, they have, they have indoor indoor arenas. I mean, don't forget over there in Qatar, like those places, very oil wealthy. I mean, they have indoor ski slopes. Yeah, that that is true. They have they they they, they that area of the world definitely does some some crazy shit. But whatever. So what do you what do you think of uh what do you think of the of the of the world or of the the rankings of some of these countries? After the Euro Cup and after the I don't know what the hell is the South American. Um, 
the the, the South American Championship like like the Euro Cup. I don't know because I haven't seen these rankings. I mean, so apparently Belgium is still number one. They're the number one country in the world. Still, so France I think moved down a spot. How uh, is I think because Belgium didn't win the World Cup. They didn't win the Euro Cup either. They didn't win the Euro Cup. They didn't no. win a gold medal. So how how do they base these rankings? I don't know. It's odd. I, I think Argentina and Italy both moved up. I think Spain moved down. But like, you know, I mean, it, it, and again, I'm in, obviously I'm biased because I'm Italian, but I was very impressed with, with the way they played in this past Euro Cup. And yet they moved up from like number seven to number six, yet they beat Belgium. Like it, 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 they won two to one. So it seems like a close game, but they manhandled Belgium that entire game. And even in the, in the final game for the Euro Cup. Yeah. I mean, they going into penalty kicks, they were tied one, one and, you know, England scored very quickly within the first two minutes of the game, but then Italy dominated the game for the, for the entire time up until penalty kicks. And then obviously they won it on, on penalty kicks, but it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, and again, I'm biased because I'm Italian, but I think they should have a higher ranking as far as I'm concerned. And I think Argentina should probably have a higher ranking too, just because of the sheer nature of, of the teams that, that, that they play against in South America, including Brazil. Yeah. So, it, yeah. and I, I just don't see how Belgium is, is, still in the top spot it just doesn't make any sense to me no it doesn't make any sense because france was bounced on penalty kicks against who that's a good question yeah was it switzerland i believe so but where's switzerland in this i don't even think they're in the top 10 yeah yeah, they're not they're 13th but yeah it's interesting italy who won the euro they're in seventh yeah england is ranked above them who they lost to italy yeah I mean, I could see you putting in like a team like Brazil. They they haven't played them, so you want to rank them. Nobody's you could really argue because there was no competition between the two. Yeah. But yeah, for Brazil, like they they just won a gold medal. France, I, I don't even remember them playing in the Olympics. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Very interesting. I, I I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but I don't know how they come up with numbers for a lot of these world rankings. I mean, even. <laughs> The, the official world golf rankings you have somebody that's sitting in number one like uh dustin johnson i don't think he's won a, a golf tournament in a year i think the last one that he won was the travelers last year last year and he's yeah. going back and forth with john rom who won this year he won the pga championship this year like he's mm-hmm. wait didn't he, no he won the u.s open pga was won by phil mickelson at 51 years old this guy's 51 years old winning majors it's very impressive. I can't even win my Monday night golf league. <laughs> in your 41? In my 41, yeah. And I'm playing it like yeah. I'm the youngest guy in the league. <laughs> uh, better than me. I'll tell you that much. Better than most. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's about it for this week, my friend. Yep. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well... Another week in the books, my friend. Oh, yeah. What will next week bring? Oh, God only knows. It's been a doozy this past year. It has. 
it's funny because every week I think like, especially when it gets close to recording day, I'm just like, what can possibly come up? I don't know how we're going to fill this. And next thing you know, we have governor droopy drawers. that's barely able to keep his hands to himself. And well, I just yep. think New York did the right thing. You know, what's funny. And I wanted to bring this up when we were talking about it before somebody, I know they had a post that was basically mentioning how they thought that he should step down and, there was people that were on his side that were on Como's side and saying that, you know, he, this is all calculated. And it's something that you said, like you mentioned the timing of it and everything like that. And they basically had that argument, but I'm like, you know what? There's more people on this guy's side here than there are in the entire democratic party in New York city. Yeah. Everybody's calling for this guy to step down. And I think he made the right <clears throat> decision. Yeah. Just a shame. I that think so. so long. Yeah. Agreed. Who knows? Maybe he has a, a lucrative TV deal down the road. Love Probably. Island. Love Island. Governor Como edition. <laughs> Love Island or Long Island? That's where they could host it. On Montauk. <laughs> In the Hamptons. In the Hamptons. Hampton love story. Governor Como edition. All right, folks. That's all I got. Peace out. Peace out.